And today we're going to do something different. We're going to be looking into the one another's of Scripture. But I want you to take your Bible out and I want you to turn in whatever version you have to James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. This is really, really the start of this series on one another because when we start doing one another, how many know that we know people that need this? We know other people that need this, but we're not willing to apply this to our lives. So here's what James teaches us in verse 23 of chapter 1 of James. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, so you got two kinds of people, hearers and doers. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror he looks at himself and then he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, I watch Joyce get ready in the morning sometime. And every hair has to be in place. And the lipstick has to be perfect and everything else that she does. She looks intently into the mirror and she goes away content that she is the way we sh she should be to present herself. I go to the mirror, I look, and I go like this, and I'm ready. We're different. But I want you to know, whenever you're in the house of the Lord and you are looking into the mirror, it's because you're saying, Lord, speak to my heart. Not my neighbors. Not the people that I want you to speak to. Speak to my heart. And so when you look into the mirror and you go, wow, man, do I ever need a lot of help? And that creates then in your heart, a heart of humility, which says, Lord, I, I don't have it all together. You do, but I want to grow up. How many want to grow up? A lot of people come to church, and if you were to ask them, what did you learn in church on Sunday, they can't even remember the message. So the Bible says there are people that look and then they forget. You're not meant to forget. You're meant to do. And doing means you're growing up. You're being conformed to the image of Christ step by step, week by week, so that at the end of a year, you know that you've made progress in your walk with God because you sense the change that you've so, your heart has so wanted. So today, I've been given the responsibility to start with the very first of the one another's, and I thought, good. This is the one you give me, and then next week, that's the one you, why don't you give me the nice ones like love one another? serve one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, submit to one another, admonish one another. No, you give me the one that says, stop passing judgment on one another. But how many know that in our culture, every single person you run into if you query them on something, they know what Jesus said. Don't judge me. We hear it over and over and over. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. 
Well, here's what Jesus teaches us about don't judge me. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 6 together. We begin with judge not that you be not judged. Now, that's only one side of the coin. We'll look at the other side of the coin in a few minutes. For with the judgment that you pronounce on others is the judgment that will be pronounced on you. And with the measure you use, it will be the measure that will come back to you. So how many know when Jesus is talking about that, the people who are listening are being challenged? Because he came at a time when the Jewish people were under the heel of the Roman rulers. And they were under the heel of oppressive leaders in Pharisees and Sadducees. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along with what we call the Beatitudes, the constitution of the kingdom, and he begins to share things that they go, oh, man, I have so many things that I can judge. And Jesus goes, hang on. I want you to know that, like I said a moment ago, when you practice Sabbath and you stop and you rest, he keeps working. And you have to see that he's at work in and through your life every single day. And when you can't see it, he's still working. So if you choose to judge, you may be judging before you've come to the finish line. And so you want to be careful with that. In verse 3, Jesus says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? Let me... Uh, share something with you. I talk to cars. You know, dogs chase cars. I talk to cars. And I'm driving along, you idiot. Why would you drive like that? And I look over at Joyce. She's just rolling her eyes. I said, honey, I'm just having fun. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And that's like the little boy who goes for a ride with his dad and his dad's talking to cars. And then he goes for a ride with his mom the next day and he's surprised. And he said, mom, where's all the idiots? <laughs> what are you talking about? So, well, dad was saying, yes, all the idiots that were on the road. So men, we understand this one. So he says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log? What does Jesus do? He brings contrast. A speck is so tiny compared to how big a log is. And he's saying, you need to look in the mirror first. Because it's easy to see the faults of others. It's easy to judge what other people do but not realize that you have got some specks in your life that you need to look at. Or how can you say to your brother, what does Jesus say? Let me take the speck out of your eye. Oh, thank you. When there's a log in your own, you hypocrite. Now, Jesus is talking here. He's teaching here. And when he calls someone a hypocrite, he knows what that word means. 
And he's saying to that person, you're not being honest with who you are because you've got things going on in your own life, so you better watch what you say. So take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Who, me, Jesus? I have a log in my eye? I thought I was the best in your kingdom. No. You got a whole truckload of logs in your eye. You're going to have to deal with them one at a time. So what does God often do? He mirrors our life against someone to speak to us. And when we see something in someone that we don't necessarily like, we're pointing the finger at the person and there's three other fingers pointing back at us. And God is simply saying is often the things that you, you hate the most in others are the things you hate in your own life. Let me throw something out just as a help. If I say the name Prime Minister Trudeau, what do you think? Hmm. Could you imagine if we put up on the screen all of your thoughts now about him? Wouldn't be good. I know it wouldn't be good. The Jews had to contend with the Romans, and the Apostle Paul has to contend with Caesar, who is going to kill him, and he says, pray for those in authority over you. Why is he saying that? Because we live kingdom life, not culture life. Joyce just mentioned, in the world is buying and selling. You want to buy something, we're in the store, they tell you how much it is, you give them the money, you take it out, they, the transaction's done. <clears throat> in the kingdom, it's about sowing and reaping. So you continue to sow all the good things that God's teaching you through his word. And then over the years, you watch the blessings come back. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. He wants to do in you and in me what he wants to do, and that is to conform us to the image of his son. And so as he's working in us, we are going through these stages where he points things out and he says, I'm putting my finger on this area of your life for a reason. If it doesn't change, you're not going to grow up. And if you're not going to grow up, you're not going to be effective in my kingdom. Why does he say that? Because he's looking for fruit in your life and in mine all the time. The fragrance and the fruit of his spirit at work inside of us. And so he says, when you see clearly then, then you can take the speck out. So, and then verse 6. Watch what he does in verse 6. Excuse me. He started by saying, don't judge. And now he shows us we have to judge. But we have to judge based on facts. So he says, don't, do not give dogs what is holy. Jeff, the contrast between their understanding of a dog and their understanding of holiness. What is the contrast going on here? What is Jesus saying to them? And then he says, lest, and then he goes on, sorry, and do not throw your pearls before swine or before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot 
and turn to attack you. Don't judge. Now, I'm going to show you why you need to be able to judge properly. You're a parent. You love your kids. You teach them, don't run on the road. Are you being mean? Nope. You're helping them to make judgment calls that the moment you step out on the road, you share that now with vehicles. And the chances of you being injured are very high. That's a good judgment call. When you stand before a judge in a courtroom and the prosecution and the defense put all the arguments forward and the judge then makes a decision, it's based on facts. It's not based on just hearsay. It's not based on his opinion, but it's based on the facts of what had been presented before him according to the rules of the court according to the, the law. And so when you look at God's word and you think, okay, Jesus is telling us not to judge, but he's giving us instructions on how to discern between things. And that means a judgment will come, so the motive of the heart has to be right. If the motive's not right, then we have specks and they have logs, or we have logs and they have specks, and everything gets mixed up. We want to do it right. So Jesus is talking about judgment, but he's addressing the tendency for us to be hypocritical in our judgments. He's cautioning us about being self-righteous in our attitude and putting ourselves in a place of superiority over others. And that can happen in every aspect of our walk as believers. When we look at the world around us, that's the water they swim in. When you watch the news, that's the water that the world swims in. But when we look in the kingdom, and this is the water we swim in, and with the knowledge of God's word, we can help each other grow up. But the motive of our heart has to be pure. We have to take the mirror and apply it to ourselves first and take all the logs out that we need to take out. So let me ask you a question. Just with what I've shared already, has God been speaking to you about any logs in your eyes? Because I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service to come and stand at the altar and be altered. God likes to change us. And we'd love to give him permission to change us. And when you take a step sometimes out of your seat and you come and stand at an altar... It's an attack on your pride, first of all. Every time. Like when Joyce raised her hand and said, My, I have a need this morning. That's a recognition that each of us have needs in our life. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we don't uh, let other people know about. But sometimes, oh, baby's bride is helping me. Thank you. I threatened Norman this morning that he was going to preach. Oh, uh, no, Pastor. <laughs> but you stand at an altar and you say, Jesus, there's some things in my life that need to change, and I want them to change. And I want to change here in the sanctuary, in your presence with my brothers and sisters who will help me. 
who will walk with me, who will pray with me, who will encourage me, who will instruct me, will do all the things that I need. That's why when you do the one another's, you're talking about community life. We don't walk this life alone. We walk it with others. And all of us are in need of growing up. But there are some that are a little bit further ahead on the journey than others, and that's a good thing. But all of us have things in our heart and life. But there may be something very specific that God is dealing with in your heart and life right now. So Jesus emphasizes in judgment the importance of humility, the importance of you having love in your heart towards others, and real compassion towards people. You know, sometimes you think of what it's like. Let me put this somewhere. I just don't want to spill it. When you have compassion towards someone, it's because someone had compassion towards you. When you extend love to someone, it's because someone loved you. When you recognize brokenness in someone, it's because you have been broken. And so we're here to strengthen one another. We're here to encourage one another. And we're here to say, I'm not going to focus on your shortcomings. I'm not going to focus on condemning you. Because that's easy to do. Any critic can do that. Any critic can see things in another person's life and be critical of it. But Jesus said, I want you to look with eternity stamped in your eyes. I want you to see that each of you have been redeemed from the pit, redeemed from sin, redeemed from darkness, redeemed even from yourself so that you can be made whole in Christ. And that's a journey that you and I are on. You know, in a pastor's life you get to do funerals from time to time and I'm doing one this week from a man named Frank Siriani and Frank has been with us since 1983 with the Life Center family both him and his wife Judy integral part of everything every single day right now I'm jealous for where he is why he's finished his journey he has stepped into eternity promised to him by Jesus Christ. And I think, Lord, so many people that I know used to sit in these seats, but their journey is done. They are safe and secure. We sang it. Their names are registered in heaven. And when they got to the pearly gates, it was already open. Didn't have to ask anybody to open the door. They just went right into the presence of God. Not because of who they are, but because of who Jesus is in them and the promise that he made for their forgiveness that their names would be in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? It's important. And so when we talk about judging, we want to make sure we have all the facts. We want to make sure we understand everything. We want to be able to be in a place where we're clear that we're helping one another to grow up. Now, if I said to you, I give you permission to speak into my life, 
that would mean that there would come a time that you might come to me and say, Pastor Barry, we saw you driving this week in Cornwall. And um, you were on 2nd Street, and this is what you did. And I think back, 2nd Street, Cornwall, mm-hmm, I did. If I gave you permission, then you could speak to my heart about that. But if I didn't give you permission, then you have to be very careful how you approach. Because all of us are in a position where I haven't given any of you permission to speak into my life yet. But when you have friends in your life, people that are close to you, people that know they love you and you love them, and you say to them, John, Mary, I give you permission to speak into my life, then they have your best interests at heart. And when they have your best interests at heart, they sometimes bring things to you that you go, mm, yeah, I know. And then if you're humble of heart, you say, would you pray with me? I really want to get victory in that area of my life, and I don't have victory in it. But the bridge has already been built. The relationship has already been established. But what sometimes happens is we impose on other people. And when you do that, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know why they're doing what they're doing. You just assume that you only have a speck, but they got a bunch of logs. And the teaching is Jesus turns that around and says, no, no, you're the one with the logs. They only have a speck. Trust me, I'm already at work in their life. It's a challenge in judging. We have to be careful that we don't condone in the kingdom sinful behavior. We want to be able to walk circumspectly according to God's word. And so here's what the Apostle Paul says with the same subject now expanded just a little bit. In Romans chapter 14, verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. All right? So what are some of the stumbling blocks? What are some of the hindrances that sometimes happen in the life of a church? Well, if we're going to stop passing judgment on one another, we have to start with ourselves. Starts with us first. It's looking into that mirror and saying, Lord, it's not about them, it's about me. And when I go in to worship on a Sunday, when I go in to be amongst my brothers and sisters, Lord, I want you to change me. When you have that attitude, all of a sudden, the love of God will cover your eyes, compassion of Christ will cover you, and you'll hardly see anything. And the atmosphere in a church changes, and people start growing and working together. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. We must all appear before the, the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. And he's saying to them, if you're going to get involved in judging one another, I just want you to know your turn's coming, and it may not be during your lifetime, but at one point you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to give an account of your life at the judgment seat of Christ. 
so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. All we know is we stand before Jesus and he applies holy fire to our lives. And if it's gold and silver and diamonds and good things, they remain. But if it's wood, hay, and stubble, motives that were wrong, judgments that were wrong, it all gets burnt up. We don't lose our salvation, but we realize the rewards that could have been ours are no longer ours. Judgment is real in the kingdom. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you are 100% responsible for you. How many know that? You're 100% responsible for you. Here's what he says. Now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother or sister if he's guilty of what? Sexual immorality, greed, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. What is God doing in a, in a portion of Scripture like this? We've gone from the external world where we go, hold on here, that's the water they swim in, can't judge them. But when it comes into the church and we're all walking with Jesus and we all have the same Bible and we all read the same words, Lord, you're putting your finger on our hearts and our lives that we're to be a different kind of people. And that only happens through the new birth. That only happens with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That only happens with a renewed mind. That only happens with your life being absolutely connected to Jesus so that these are the kinds of things that we used to do, but we don't do them now. And if we do them now in the context of the body of Christ, then we can be held accountable for that and judgment can come on our lives doesn't mean we get discarded. It just means that's not acceptable behavior for a believer because it sends a different message to the culture. It says to the culture, you don't have to change, but that's not true. You have to change. For what I have to do with what judging outsiders it is not those is it not in those in the church whom you're to judge god judges those outside purge the evil person from among you how I many know that was tough to hear that paul is looking at people who have come out of culture and in roman culture sexual immorality was a normal they could do whatever they want with whomever they wanted, and it was acceptable in the culture. Idolatry was acceptable. Drunkenness was acceptable. And now he's judging that and saying, when you come into the kingdom, that ought not to be how you work. Jesus conforms us to his image and to his likeness. We go from being unholy now to being holy people. And we're holy people. We exhibit... We're ambassadors now. We exhibit the character of Christ to the culture. And all of a sudden, the culture starts taking notice. You guys are different, aren't you? Yes, we are. And we're different because of what Jesus has done. And that always gives us an opening to share the gospel with them. But if we're just like them, we have no testimony. 
Romans 14, we said, stop passing judgment on one another. What do we do now as we go from here today and we recognize, Lord, you teach us not to judge, but then you show us that judgments are possible and we're in the kingdom. There's a behavior pattern that is normative for the believer and judgments can come. That's why in church, there's things called church discipline. I wrote a thesis on church discipline years ago. And as I was going down through all the requirements for church discipline, I realized not everybody in the church acts right. And if you've watched the news, not everybody in the pulpit acts right. And so when things are not right, that means they're wrong and judgment calls need to be made. And those judgment calls are there to help us. But remember I said at the beginning, sometimes we don't want to acknowledge we have a need. We don't want to address issues that are going on in our life. If in the church, if a leader addresses you, it's because the leader loves you, cares for you, wants the best for you. But leaders know that many people in the church are not whole, that they've got wounds, they've got areas of brokenness, they've got resistance, they've got all kinds of things going on. Why? Because we're all the same. We all come out of darkness into the kingdom, and we all have had things in our past that have broken us. And so as soon as a particular issues like authority, when I was a young man, I was going to St. Patrick's High School, and there was a teacher that got on my nerves. And the teacher came down the aisle one time because I was acting up, and he had a pointer. Could never do it today. He had a pointer, and he started tapping me on my head. And it wasn't hard. He just kept tapping me. And I could feel the rage rising inside of me to the point where I stood up, broke the pointer, punched him, and walked out of the class. How many know I didn't go back to that school? <laughs> Had to transfer to another school. What did I learn about that? I don't like authority. I don't like authority that abuses. But later on, I had authority in my life that really cared for me and really loved me, and I learned that authority is good for me and that I could grow up and grow through those things. And so in your life and in my life, we all have experiences that we have to deal with stuff. So when leadership in the house says, I'm going to put my finger on this, I'm going to talk to you about this, don't push back. Just ask yourself, is this really something that is at loose in my life that needs to be reined in? And if it does, Lord, I give you permission not only to speak to my heart, but have my brothers and sisters help me. So we go out today into the culture. Don't pass judgment on the culture. It's, all, it's the water they swim in. But we go out as the bride of Christ. We go out as the body. We go out as the ambassadors of the kingdom. Let's demonstrate love never fails towards one another now, starting in our homes, in our neighborhood, 
in our workplace, and even here as a church community so that we take stock of every aspect of how we live our lives and where we live our lives, and we say, Lord, deal with the logs before we see the specks. Help us to walk in your love. Because all of us have been out in the darkness to the point where why would Jesus even reach out to us? Why would he be willing to draw us into his kingdom? Because for God so loved the world. The world meaning the people. Not the systems, the people. He loves people. The reason he died on the cross is for people. Because that was the Father's plan. And the love that was in the heart of Jesus enabled him to go to the cross because of his love for the Father, which included then love for us. But the first motivator for Jesus was the love of his Father, honor his Father, do what was required of him to do so that you and I could be part of his kingdom. So when we go out today, we want to have eternity stamped in our eyes that's filled with the love of God, the compassion of God. Let me leave you with a, an illustration that I hope will be helpful. At the end of the Gospels, there's two portions of scripture that help us and one is when jesus is standing before the authorities and he's being condemned he's gonna die on a cross and what does Pilate do Pilate washes his hands basically said i want anything to do with this man just washes his hands goes about his business and whatever happens to jesus that let the jews do that and the Romans crucified Jesus. But what did Jesus do the night before his crucifixion? He washed the feet of his disciples. Big, big difference between the two. One was to say, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. And the other was knowing that they were going to depart from him, knowing that one of them was going to betray him, he continued to love them to the very end and he washed their feet one is servanthood and the other is what selfishness one is washing hands to say i don't want to be a part of it and the other is washing feet saying lord let me be a part of what you're doing in reaching people starting with my own life with my brothers and sisters in the community in which I live, I want to make a difference for you that's eternal. I'm going to ask Matt to come up and get on the keyboards with us for a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor B, you've been touching on some things that I'm kind of struggling with in my heart and in my life, and I want to just stand at the altar and allow God to speak to my heart today, then I'm going to ask everyone just to stand at this point, everyone stand. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to be honest. I'm asking you to clarify in your own heart, Lord, today I think I see some logs in my eye. I'm not going to ask you to describe the log. I'm just going to ask you to acknowledge it. 
so that rather than having an attitude of judgment, you have an attitude of love towards others in a way that goes far beyond your capabilities. It's that God consumes you, and when he consumes you, he consumes you with love for other people. And so if you've struggled with judging, if you know you have some logs in your eye that you just say to yourself, hmm, I need God to deal with them. I'm going to get you to just step out of your seat. Just come join me here at the front. I love this as a pastor because I always get the chance to be first in line. And so I've got some logs that God needs to work on today. And I'm going to give him permission to work on those in a way that I'm not telling him how to do it. I'm just saying, Lord, bring up the situations and the circumstances that I'm acutely aware of the logs in my eyes so that you can remove them and that I can serve and love and honor people the way you serve and love and honor my life. And so let's, if you need to be at the front, please come now. Father, by your spirit, speak to every heart, every life. Let there be honesty, humility, let pride take a beating this morning so that as we stand before you in humility, Lord, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And we trust you this morning, Jesus. You're going to do in us what needs to be done so that we can be more like you in all the areas of our life that we desperately need. I'll just wait another moment if there's anyone just sitting in your seat. If you're questioning, if you're unsure, just step out of your seat. Step into the aisle. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your grace. I want you to put your hand over your heart. you to pray this prayer with me. Father, it's the issues of my heart that come through my mouth so that I say things that I ought not to say. I do things that I shouldn't be doing in judging others. I don't want to pass judgment on my brothers or sisters. I want you, Lord, to take the logs out of my eyes. Identify what log you're dealing with, Lord. I will cooperate with you so that all I see are specks in the eyes of others, not logs anymore. Fill me with your love. Fill me with compassion and conform me to the image of Jesus in word and deed. Thank you for your word this morning to my life. Thank you for changing me. And as I stand at the altar, thank you for altering me. I love you, Jesus, and I know that you love me. Thank you for my brother, my sister on either side of me. 
I love them as you love them. Father, thank you for what you're doing in Life Center Cornwall this morning. As we all begin the study of one another's, you remind us that we are connected to one another. We're a body. And we want to function as a body. We're not just individuals. You've placed us in your body, Jesus, so that we would not only know how to walk with you, but how to walk with one another. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for the wonderful exercises of faith that you make us walk in because you love us. Lord, you push us on in our journey, and we love that. We love that you care enough for us that you move us forward just like you've done today as we've acknowledged our need of you in this area of removing logs from our eyes so that we can love others. Father, before we leave this house today, thank you for the impartation of your spirit, the clarity of your word to our lives, that as we go from here, we go as a people being renewed day by day, that you are filling us to overflowing so that we represent you well in the culture that we go into. Holy Spirit, breathe on every life now, every life. And let me just say this before we dismiss, because there'll certainly be people here to pray personally with you at the end. But sometimes we're still in our seat. We're unsure whether we should come to the front. We say things in our spirit like, well, that doesn't really matter. God's here. He knows. Yeah, he does. I understand that. But sometimes he simply asks you to take a step of faith because the one log that he's trying to deal with is the log of pride. And pride is one of those things that he resists. And you don't want to be resisting God. You want to be humble enough to let him work. And it won't stop just because the service is over. I want you to meditate on these two scriptures that we've talked about today from Matthew and from Corinthians. All week, begin to meditate on those and watch what God will do in and through your life. You're going to see wonderful change taking place. You're going to appreciate things that you haven't appreciated before. And you're going to have new eyes for your brothers and your sisters and a new heart. In Jesus' name.